Before we get started with today's episode of Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks, I'd like to tell you about a special event coming up live online that I guarantee will rock your world in a good way, of course. I have a question for you. For the last two or so years, have you been feeling like the walls are closing in on you? Do you feel like you're spinning on the surface of a planet gone mad and you're going nowhere? Are you finding yourself easily triggered by the news, by family, friends, co-workers, and even strangers walking down the street, and you're tempted to just give up? Well, if so, you are definitely not alone. Life on this planet in the last few years has proven to be a litmus test for so many of us, especially the spiritually centered, empathic, and sensitive. If you're at wit's end, but not ready to give up, then I invite you to join me for Activate Your Power to Win in Challenging Times with our special guest instructor, Dylan Charles. Dylan, a seasoned self-mastery coach and shamanic practitioner, has helped hundreds of people who have lost their way on this complicated journey, and he has literally turned many lives right side up. But fair warning, this workshop will not be for the faint of heart. Are you ready to gain unique and proven tools to master emotional sobriety for troubling times? Are you ready to reclaim your power during a period of authoritarian control? identify and heal your self-limiting beliefs and negative thought loops, and free yourself from being a slave to your own mood patterns. Well, then join us on Saturday, October 29th for Activate Your Power to Win in Challenging Times with guest instructor Dylan Charles and yours truly as your host and moderator. And if you can't make it to the live event, not to worry, you'll still be able to sign up and gain access to the full workshop and have lifetime access. That's right, lifetime access. Plus, as part of the workshop, you will get a free private one-on-one session with Dylan scheduled after the event. So, Take a lifetime of turmoil off of your plate and put yourself back in the driver's seat, no matter what's going on around you in this crazy world. Join us for Activate Your Power to Win in Challenging Times. Click the link in the description of this podcast to register. I look forward to seeing you there. And now, on with the show. If you look at how the world is set up, if you look at that, if you look at the influences that we have in our consciousness on a day-to-day basis it's all media television government hollywood netflix uh, the culture itself Uh, of course everybody knows there's this heavy celebrity celebrity worship culture there's this greed and money worship culture so there's definitely like things outside outside of our own outside of our own control but that have an effect on our spirit and so given that the content the general tone of the messaging coming at us from all over the place is very supportive of those feelings of fear, anxiety, overwhelm, and doubt. It it, it feels to me like there's a spiritual war. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Well, hello, journeyers. Welcome to Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. I am your host, yours truly, Alexis Brooks, alongside someone who I have come to know and really, really respect over the last, oh, year, maybe two years, and that's Dylan Charles, the one and only from wakingtimes.com. Dylan, dude, got a lot going on. We we needed to, we need you. You are necessary <laughs> right now. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Yeah, this is crazy times, but uh, blessed. <laughs> crazy, exciting. The adjectives are uh, endless, are they not? Yeah, they are. I actually had a moment this weekend. I was... Um, I don't know. I was just trying to chill out and relax on Saturday night. And I started realizing that like the negativity of things was still in my head and it was 
you know, causing me to think about and stress about all the materialistic stuff in the world and just all the three dimensional crap in the world. And I had to really like stop, look up physically and kind of look at my surroundings and throw some gratitude around and show yeah. some appreciation for this blessing we call life. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Good to remember, but easy to forget sometimes to do. I love it. Well, you just reminded a whole bunch of folks, me included it. Listen, I've said this before, guys, this is a very, very critical time. But with that, there are blessings embedded. The magic is within the madness. The crystal is within the crisis. The diamond is within the dust. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to talk about all of it. The diamond, the crystal, the magic, along with the madness, etc. You know, I want to talk about this term that's been bantied about, <clears throat> not just recently, but more recently, I'll say, called a spiritual war, spiritual mm -hmm. battle, spiritual warfare. But we're not going to just end it there. We're going to talk about the antidote to that. Is it real? If so, where is it being waged? What does it have to do with us? And most importantly, how do we win? I guess that's the only way to put it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by asking this question. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Dylan and everybody. From a 50,000 foot view, mm -hmm. what is the spiritual war from your perspective? What is it? Well, if you if you were to Google spiritual war, you'd find a lot of posts, uh, a lot of uh, stuff written by like the Christian community. You'd find uh, perhaps a lot of stuff written about like a war in the heavens, uh, the, the clash between good and evil, and these really like big idea things that are really out of our reach. Okay. So... My perspective on the world is a little bit different. I think it's very, very important that for each of us that we stay focused on what our own unique actual reality is. And so what is your reality? How do you measure your reality? It's, it's whatever you can take in and understand and experience through your five senses or really your six senses, which would include your intuition, your third eye, right? And so unless you can feel, touch, taste, hear, see, uh, smell, or actually intuit something, then... Uh, it perhaps it perhaps is uh, theoretical. Perhaps is uh, you, it's an intellectual conversation. Okay, so in your own life, what does your spirit feel like? What does your spirit feel like? What is the energetic imprint of your daily reality? So that's the way I look at it. So instead of being instead of there being a spiritual war on the heavens, which there may or may not be, right? The reality is that in our own lives, we can tell when our own spirit is being attacked, when our own spirit is suffering, when our own spirit is weak, and we can tell by the way that we feel. Right. So we know if we feel uh, worn out, um, overwhelmed, stressed out, uh, depleted, um, wiped out, you know, like these these feelings tell us that our spirit is low, our spirit is low. And so when I talk to people as a coach, as a self-sabotage and self-mastery coach, when I talk to people all over the world, there's a very common set of things that people are going through, no matter what their background is or where they're at really, but there's a sense of, of fear. It's an underlying like fear underneath everything. There's an anxiety, subtle levels of anxiety, even that just kind of invade people's peace and take over their, their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. There's uh, like I said, they're overwhelmed. There's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of just, um, uh, for some people, there's a lot of anger and resentment about what's going on. So to me, these are signs that your spirit is being depressed or as i like to say it attacked and the reason why i use the word attack is because if you look at how the world is set up if you look at that if you look at the influences that we have in our consciousness on a day-to-day -day basis it's all media television government hollywood netflix 
the culture itself, uh, of course, everybody knows there's this heavy celebrity celebrity worship culture. There's this greed and money worship culture. So there's definitely like things outside outside of our own outside of our own control, but that have an effect on our spirit. And so, given that the content, the general tone of the messaging coming at us from all over the place is very supportive of those feelings of fear, anxiety, overwhelm, and doubt, it, it, it feels to me like there's a spiritual war. And knowing that and, and looking at it that way gives you a lot of control back over life, of your life. It gives you a lot of power in what you can do about it. That's beautifully said, just in recognizing that. You just said a lot there. And this is a perfect segue for a quote that I uh, came across just today. I, I thought this would be perfect for the show. And it's by, I'm sure, a name that you know, Manly P. Hall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll love this one. You will too, Journeys. Listen to this. So he says, quote, to repress rebellion is to maintain the status quo, a condition which binds the mortal creature in a state of intellectual or physical slavery. But it is impossible to chain man merely by slaving his body. The mind also must be held. And to accomplish this, fear is the accepted weapon. Mm -hmm. The common man must fear life, fear death, fear God, fear the devil, and fear most the overlords, the keepers <laughs> of his destiny. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, inter it's interesting. I will say that he used the word rebellion and, you know, he said like suppressing our, our, our rebellious nature, something along those lines. Uh, but I see this quite a bit and I want to point this out to people because uh, the main areas that I focus on as a coach and the main areas I focus on in my work at Waking Times these days is helping people to understand that self-sabotage, there's a lot of it going on in this world, but self-sabotage really may not be your fault. Now, I'm a huge advocate for personal responsibility. It's the one thing that really saved my life many years ago when I went through my dark night of the soul and took responsibility for my own life. But the reality is that there's a lot going on in our world uh, that you would describe as mind control. So the conspiracy theorists might call it mind control, uh, but it's very real. So advertisers know it, uh, marketers know it, the government knows it, uh, news media corporations know it, they all know it. So there's a, a lot of uh, this sort of type of influence in our minds uh, in this day and age. And so what I think is, what I see, and I wanted to point this out was that we are like naturally rebellious, I, I think. I think that we've always been naturally rebellious, or most of us are. But I think that that rebellion has been um, subverted, if you will. So instead of us rebelling, uh, feeling comfortable and confident and rebelling against, you know, people who would want to do our families harm or people who would want to make the world more difficult or just, you know, like corruption in general, uh, we end up rebelling against ourselves. And so I see that as one of the, the outcomes of this uh, self-sabotage imprint, this mind control idea that if we can get everybody on the same page and all abusing themselves with chemicals, with alcohol, with caffeine, with pills, uh, and tuned into these, these sources of distraction all the time, then we could change the way that they, they uh, view themselves. We can change the way that they think about who they are in this world. And so the idea of rebellion itself seems to be transplanted with this idea that to rebel means to destroy yourself. It means to tattoo your body all up. It means to poison yourself with alcohol and drugs and call yourself cool. It means to, um, you know, put off responsibility, stop, you know, to, to act like a child in an adult in an adult's body rather than rather than a mature adult. And so the real thing I think people are rebelling against, you know, to sort of uh, extend what Manly P. Hall is saying is, is that uh, they have subjugated, they have like, like taken over our natural desire, our natural tendency to rebel and use that against this. So now everybody rebels against their, against being their best selves. They rebel against living up to their potential. They rebel against 
uh, actually doing the things that they know would make their life freaking awesome. That's interesting that you expressed rebellion in, in pop culture, particularly as, or at least seen as rebellion, as tattoo, as my husband just referred to, inking yourself up with tattoos and alcohol, things that are rebelling against maybe what your parents told you you shouldn't do, the kid in the candy store. And mm-hmm. and yeah, true rebellion, I think, in the context, I think I'm just repeating what you're saying of what Manly P. Mm-hmm. Hall was expressing is rebellion against a system that does not wish you well. Rebellion can be expressed in a myriad ways, speaking out, being loud, not complying, you know, and, and that's, I think that's where we need to, uh, well, I, many people are doing that, certainly, but uh, that's, that's a good delineation that you made, uh, uh, Dylan about you know how people view what rebellion right. is not acquiescing yeah i mean there, there's um i would call that an inversion of what rebellion actually is so i mean if you look around like uh i mean the tattoo things the tattoo thing is one that's interesting to me because you know people copycat they mimic they imitate what what they see people doing around them so if these messages are if they see people in their community getting face tattoos and if they see people on tv over and over getting getting face tattoos and if those people are portrayed as being rebellious as being counterculture then then people have the tendency to like take on those ideas for themselves but you know the reality is that that um and this is i think it was voltaire perhaps but one of my favorite quotes is the best revenge is living well and so in this times in, in these times i think that really says a lot because the, the best way that we can rebel against what's going on is to eat good food right get the poisons out of your diet is to get off the the dependency and the addiction from all the substances the tobacco the the drugs like i said the pharmaceutical pills and really take back control of your life these way to actually like live in a healthy way like nourish and honor and respect your body and, uh, you know, do the work that you need to do internally to be spiritually connected, to be uh, generally happy and at peace with yourself. This is really this is really what rebellion would look like today. Mm-hmm. How about getting rid of I was going to say the media, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not just the media, but the addiction to even some of the alternative sources that are feeding you what you have used as your sort of. Uh, repository of uh, what's really going on, because that too can be an addiction. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I talk about this quite a bit, you know, actually with the clients that I work with on a one-on-one basis, this comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, I mean, one of the ways in which I'm able to assist and serve people is through using my own experience, wisdom, and, and unique insight that I've had in the world. And he's, I share that in a way that helps people who uh, perhaps resonate with, with me, uh, help them to understand uh, what they're missing. And so, you know, if you, if you were to, um, if you were to look at how uh, people generally view themselves, they view themselves as, as uh, they, they feel like they're powerful. They feel like they, they deserve more out of life, but they're stuck in these, they're stuck in these cycles of self-sabotage. They're stuck in these cycles of self-defeating, self-disrespecting behavior. I know what that's about because I've lived for most of my life in, in addictive states. Like I've been addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to pills, to all kinds of entertainment, whatever, whatever it is. Okay. I consider myself uh, one of those people that has an addictive personality. But one of the things that's really taken me a long time to get over and move on uh, from is the addiction to news, like the, the addiction to con to content, the addiction to 
uh, thinking that if you just had the right answer, if you just saw more and more information about what was going on in the world, that that would give you all, all, all that you needed to go tell somebody else. And they would be so shocked that they would wake up and it would create a mass, you know, a mass awakening in society. And it would change the way that that the world works. And what's really happening there, and this is what I, this is what I see over and over again, Alexis, is that what's really going on is that for for truth seekers, for people who really want to know how the world is set up and how the world works, for people who really would like to see a better future for humanity, uh, it's it's very important for them to well, let me say it like this: it's very common for them to be completely just saddled with fear. It's a very fearful way to look at the world. And so fear is, is one of those deep, uh, powerful, really all-encompassing emotions that can uh, really take your life where it doesn't need to go. And so when you're living in fear, uh, you know, and you've heard the term fight or flight mode, when you're living in fear, like you want to escape the fear, you want to get beyond the fear, you want to move beyond the fear. But people typically do this by either suppressing the fear, pretending like it's not there, uh, expressing the fear, which is having these on and on ongoing conversations with everybody about how you view the world. Uh, but also trying to escape the fear. So I think that like this, this addiction to the news cycles or the alternative news cycles really is a representation of people's um, attempts to escape the fear um, by hoping to overcome the situation by changing the way the world works, by getting enough people on board. So what's really happening is they don't want to feel alone. They don't want to feel uh, like they're, only, they're the only one against the world. And so what they're, they're really hoping to do is to be able to recruit more and more people to their point of view so that they don't have to feel alone so that hmm. the fear, the fear resolves itself because really, and that's what one of the things I really focus on as a self-sabotage coach is helping people understand how the subconscious mind tries to keep you safe. And that's really the source of most self-sabotaging behavior is the subconscious mind, because the subconscious mind is always looking for you to feel safe. And the best way that it does that is by having you to fit in with the majority tribe wherever you're at, to fit in with a group that you're in so that you don't get left, you don't get ostracized, you don't get rejected, you don't get left behind or put out to pasture, and you don't put yourself at risk from uh, not having the group to support and keep you safe. And so by soaking up all this information, it really is just another expression of, of hmm. how deep the fear goes. Interesting and not surprising at all. And I think we've all been, you know, all of us that are seekers, if you will, um, particularly spiritually oriented people. I, I, I hasten to use labels uh, so loosely because I want to be careful, but, you know, and I'm one of those people. I've always had a naturally curious proclivity to be curious and look, mm -hmm. kick the tires, look underneath the hood as best I can and be involved in some things that gave me some exposure to some things, which led me down a road <laughs> of seeing some things. However, <laughs> I hear everything you're saying and I agree with it. I'm also going to say that a fair amount of, understanding how the world really, really works through whatever means you deem substantive is also important. But the caveat is equilibrium. It goes back to left and right brain. You're either, you know, people tend to be either overly analytical and, and left-brained and logic-based or overly flowery, idealistic, uh, truth-based from that perspective. But it's about the balance left and right hemispheres of the brain. And, and so I would say the same for consumption of uh, living in this information-based world, um, because I'm not, I'm not at all saying that 
shut all that stuff down too, because there's some information that is important to know, but to eat, sleep, drink, and walk it every day, not good. That's where it becomes addictive. Yeah. I mean, people really make themselves themselves sick with this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at my body of work at wakingtimes.com over the last 11, 11 or so years, I mean, everything that's going on in the world, we've talked about all the negative stuff, all the, all the rabbit holes we've, we've mentioned them or gone down a lot of them. And so I'm definitely not saying that this information isn't critical to your awakening. It's, it's, it is critical to your awakening. It's critical uh, to um, um, forcing you, in, not forcing you, but putting you in a situation to where you realize that you want to take action towards living your best life now. Like you want to take action towards uh, being a badass who isn't immune, who isn't affected by all of this, uh, all of this negativity and all of the the corruption and the the evil in our world. You want to be, you want to develop an immunity to it all. So <clears throat> speaking for myself, I mean, I, I watch this stuff every day. I just don't go as deep in it as I used to. Like you won't find me scrolling. You know, once I get off work, you won't find me here after everybody's in bed. Like I used to be uh, staying up all night, reading, 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 listening to podcasts, watching videos, watching presentations, or even I don't even read this kind of history anymore. So the point really is that is like, what's the purpose of your life? Right. We're all stuck here. This is the reality that we're in on planet Earth today. But what is the purpose of your life? I can you can have the conversation about what is the purpose of humanity? What's the purpose of human evolution or whatever? But you, what's the purpose of your unique individual life and how much information uh, do you need about what's going on out there in order to live in the way that, you know, uh, you should or want would desire to be living? And so I, I think it, it's that point. It's like that, that balance when you finally realize what the world is doing. And if you've made an effort or whatever you've been called to do to affect change in that regard, cool. At some point, you have to recognize that uh, there are problems in your own life that to you and your own reality are actually bigger and more important than any of the Federal Reserve stuff, any of the central banking stuff, any of the WEF stuff, any of the Davos or Bilderberg or any of these kind of things like like those are all interesting and important for the citizenry to know to be just a responsible citizenry. But at, at the and the reality is that most people's lives are not uh, are not in order. Most people's most people are living in that state we talked about as like being affected by the spiritual war. They feel mm -hmm. they feel a lack of purpose. Uh, they feel, like I said, overwhelmed. Um, they're uh, they're moody. Like that's a big one I see is that that you know, hey, I was in a good mood today, but the next day I'm in a I'm in a very dark, heavy mood, and so that affects your relationships. Uh, a lot of people out there are just like. Um, you know, struggling, they're struggling financially, you know, that's a big one, you know, this, this idea of like, uh, well, it's, it's noble to struggle with money. No, it's not. It's not mm -hmm. noble to struggle with money. Um, you should be able to be prosperous, even in the conditions that we have, even with the inflation, even with everything going on, like you have a connection to prosperity, you have a connection to abundance within you. And that has to do with your spirituality, with your connection to spirit. But when all of this is depressed, when you're suffering from the attack, when you're feeling low, when you're feeling moody, when you your mood is unpredictable, when you're angry one day and then happy the next, when it's a roller coaster, uh, that's when this information isn't doing you any good anymore. It's time to right. bring it all back in. It's time to recognize like, hey, the world is what it is. And it's time to bring it all back in and focus on the things that are actually going to improve your life to make it possible for you to get revenge by living well. Love it. Again, beautifully said. You're on it, man, for sure. <laughs>
In that regard, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up. We'll bring it up a couple of times during this episode. Dylan, I am so excited, so pleased, and so honored that he's gonna be joining us at the Higher Journeys Conscious Academy coming up this Saturday, October 29th. We're doing uh, a three-hour intensive with Dylan to talk about, not just talk about these things, but Dylan's going to be sharing some really, really key tools, practical, and and um, I would say a bit esoteric as well, to help <laughs> us deal with this, not just navigate it, not just deal with it, but to understand it and really integrate it into our spirit so we can really, really be and, and, and show and live the spiritual spiritually centered people that we are, Dylan. So I thank you for that. That's huge. It, look, when I approached you to possibly be a guest instructor for us, the impetus was just that. <clears throat> not only other people coming to me saying, Alexis, I'm having a really difficult time dealing with this. Alexis, I'm not taking the best care of myself. Alexis, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> but guess what? Alexis <laughs> as well. I have had those days where I'm happy-ish one day and then really, really effed up the next and not knowing why. We're going to talk about empaths and the role, uh, or not the role, but how particularly empathic people are, are, are getting bumped around these days. But that was really the impetus. And it was me. And, you know, guys, I've been pretty transparent. I've had a hell of a year. I've I moved, and um, but it was born out of a bit of crisis and all of this happening as a backdrop, all of this, you know what this is in the last couple of years. And you know what? You gotta be a pretty freaking tough warrior to be to be resilient in this. So that's why I was like, Dylan, I'm down up my friend Dylan. <laughs> He's got to do because it's not just me, it's y'all that are going through this. So we're we're trying to get some help here. And Dylan is gonna be here too. And it's not just a one-shot deal. We know that it's a process, it's integration, Dylan, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you said something that kind of gave me chills mm -hmm. for a second there. You said, I do not want to be here anymore. That's Think what about a lot that. of people are saying. Think about that. Yeah. Yes. A lot of people are telling me that. There's yeah. there's, there's the people that say they feel like they're running out of time, which I find that a lot, you know, running out of time. There's not enough time. There's what's the point of trying, right? So what's the point of even making an effort, right? I know it's difficult to be my best self. I know it's difficult to overcome my habits. I know it's difficult to be honest with myself and commit to something that would actually improve my life because what's the point of running out of time? And then the other one is I just don't want to be here anymore. Think about the exhaustion, the spiritual exhaustion that that statement encapsulate, encapsulates, right? I don't want to be here anymore. Like life is a beautiful gift. I mean, life is a gift. Life is the one gift that is priceless that we all get for free. You know, as one of my spiritual teachers talks about this frequently. And he says that, that, you know, life is, is not something that any of us have to pay for, right? We don't, we don't buy it. We don't purchase it. We don't uh, take delivery before it. We just show up. We just show up and we're given this gift of life. And in that gift, endless possibilities, infinite possibilities for happiness, peace, prosperity, pain, suffering, everything. And so the amount of spiritual exhaustion I see taking place with really, really good hearted people. I mean, really people who really, really care. And like you said, empathic people who really, really would like to see the world live into its potential of, you know, justice, uh, equity, equality, uh, prosperity for all uh, goodwill towards others. Like these things aren't some pie in the sky, high and mighty, you know, just lofty ideals that we shouldn't be able to live up to. So there's people out there who would be activators of this, who would be the kind of people who could help to bring this, these sorts of ideas like out culturally so that we actually could experience a, a life worth living. And these people are the ones that are truly feeling like they don't want to be here anymore. They're exhausted. They're tired. Like, 
Um, you know, when, when it, when my time comes and it's time to meet my maker, whatever that means to people, then, you know, like, oh, that's going to be fine. I'm ready for that to go. But the reality is that uh, this life is a gift. If you're feeling that way, that to me is a clear sign that your spirit is low. And there's a lot that you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to really elevate that spirit and bring yourself up and raise your level of consciousness so that you don't have to feel that way. And you'll look back and you'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe there was a time in my life just recently where I actually was ready to check out of this beautiful, uh, magnificent place. Yesterday, my husband and I in our new location went to a nearby state park and to do a nature walk and to just take in the beauty. We're really lucky because our home is built uh, around mm. or within a nature preserve. The, the, the park is actually next door to us. It is beautiful. And many of the journeyers know that I'm a big gardener and I love nature, but even I, it is so easy to get caught up in, uh, you know, forfeiting that. Not always, but, you know, it was time to get out. So we went out yesterday and um, there's a beautiful lake there and the ducks and the people were in their little uh, paddle boats and, and canoes and there are waterfalls. And I thought, my God, what a gift. <laughs> right, what right. a gift. right. Thankfully, I, you know, I can snap out of it fairly frequently. And that's all it takes, plus some sun, some D3. So, um, and it sounds pie in the sky to a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, become more grounded. Go talk to a tree. Da, 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 da. No, no, no. This is real <laughs> and even more critical right now. Mm -hmm. I want to get a little meta metaphysical with you. All of this is, has a metaphysical aspect. But let's go there, Dylan, because... A lot of us are looking into the fact that there is a metaphysical process that may be that is, I think, unequivocally going on right now. We're in the midst of a really potent metaphysical period. Our magnetosphere, it's been it's believed is changing. Our frequency, the frequency of the planet, and thus ourselves changing. And this too brings back the spiritual war aspect. If there is something that may be trying to usurp that. But that's not my question. My question is, how might we le leverage, how might we really tap in to whatever powers that are happening metaphysically, which I believe are really potent, because we mm -hmm. are metaphysical creatures. How can we start to bring that element into our lives to help us navigate all that's going on? What would we do? If you're enjoying this episode, along with all of the subjects that we cover here on Higher Journeys, then I invite you to join our members-only community on Patreon, where we go even deeper into the conversations with the guests that you know and love. Not only does your membership ensure that we can keep this work going and growing, but you'll also get immediate access to our exclusive after shows. Get up close and personal with the guests of the show, along with many other member perks. So click on the link below to join now or visit higherjourneys.com where you'll find the Patreon link. We'll see you on the journey. Thanks. Well, that's a cool question. I mean, there's 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 endless possibilities of what people can do to um, elevate or magnify their own, you know, metaphysical connection to the world. And so everybody's different. So different things work for different people. Like for example, Alexis, um, I was called in 2010 or so I was called to experience the plant medicine, ayahuasca, the South American medicine medicine in 2013 under similar circumstances. I didn't know much about it, but I was called to experience the African shamanic plant medicine in Boga. Those two things, those are very powerful experiences and they very much resonate with me. And I've learned a lot in the last like 10 years of uh, working and helping to facilitate ceremonies with these medicines, but they're not for everybody. 
Uh, that said, I've also done yoga for years and years and years. I was an Ash, you know, even went through a phase where I did Ashtanga every day for like a, a couple of years. I thought I had to do it that way, that that was going to increase my metaphysical connection. And that was going to give me this sense of lasting day-to-day -day peace and, uh, you know, almost uh, sort of let me live in enlightenment. But uh, that really didn't take me to where I wanted to go. So I know a lot of people are doing different types of meditations, different types of, uh, you know, healing, clearing, saging, all of these practices. We're all different. So whatever resonates with you resonates with you. But the problem that I see and the thing that I help people, the thing that I assist people in overcoming is that all of those things that you're talking about, Alexis, those are all what I would describe as higher states of consciousness, right? This acceptance about the world and whatever conditions that we're in, the willingness to approach the world with courage, to approach the world with um, uh, integrity, the willingness to approach the world with, with uh, the, the courage to actually make something of yourself and make a difference in the world. These are all higher states of consciousness. And so the people that I work with and the people probably listening to this and to the workshop that we're doing, they have the capacity to have this deep metaphysical connection with the universe. Uh, but for so many of us, we're bogged down in what would be considered lower states of consciousness. And these are uh, recognizable uh, by the emotions that I described earlier, the fear, the overwhelm, the self-doubt, uh, the concern, the uh, the feelings of discouragement, disappointment, uh, resentment. If you're locked into these states, it's impossible to even uh, get to a place where you can benefit from any of these real practices. And so I, th I think that as a baseline and really like the value of my work is to help people to get beyond those states, to get up, raise their consciousness enough to where they are not living in fear mm -hmm. They're not living in overwhelm and self-doubt. So they can then begin that exploration and find out what's really right, right for them and what's really going to light them up and make the biggest difference in their lives and in their families and communities. The paradox, the irony, whatever mm. you want to call it, is I think that during this whole pandemic, so many people were forced to see themselves and uh, in a way almost alchemize the, the, the time period that was seen broadly as not so pleasant to discover themselves so there is some, this is part of the magic that I, I see still going on, you know, the lockdown when people couldn't see anybody except themselves in the mirror and say, okay, who am I? What the hell am I doing here? And what am I going to do about it? So yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Are we alchemists? Can we turn that fear, which is a powerful energy, really, really powerful. That's like gas for some mm -hmm. sustenance for some. But we as individuals who admit that fear is there, I don't know, one individual, they'd be lying if they say, I'm not fearful of anything, right? right? But okay, so we acknowledge we have it. Is there a way we can somehow metaphysically alchemize, turn scrap metal into gold, turn fear into love, turn fear into something other than what it's normally used for? Well, I mean, fear is one of those high emotions, Right. So fear is one of the things that's used against us all the time to really like keep a cage around our consciousness. So perhaps we're talking about the same thing here, but the way I look at it is not necessarily like to alchemize fear. Fear is always going to be there. It's going to be a tool, but it's rather to let go of the fear that we have. So that way we are immune isn't the word, but so that way we're unaffected by the fear, right? We were able to see through it and see beyond the fear, right? So yeah, these are fearful times. There's fearful things going on, but there's opportunities to love. There's opportunities to be compassionate. There's opportunities to assist and serve others every single day in every single possible way. And you can't do that if you're if you're fearful. 
So as far as alchemizing, I like, like, I like to think in very grounded terms these days. And the reason for that is because I've been, like I said before, I've been around the block. I've tried lots of different esoteric, different things in order to heal myself and awaken my consciousness. And I find that speaking for myself and, you know, perhaps it's a Zodiac thing. I mean, I'm a Taurus, a very grounded earth sign, right? Uh, but I feel I feel like uh, what's really needed, what's really helpful to people right now, Alexis, is a very like grounded sense. So when you say something like, "How do you al- is there is there a way to alchemize fear?" I have a difficult time personally conceptualizing that. What would that look like? You know, when I hear the word alchemy and alchemize, I see like the uh, you know the hermetic uh, master yeah. sorcerer in his uh, you know in his, in his little like cave down there somewhere, like toying with metals and melting metals and all this kind of stuff and. And I think that I think that in order to achieve the same results, which what we're talking about here is how do you experience love? How do you experience joy and compassion in your life rather than rather than always being overridden and overburdened and just like dragged down by the fear? So rather than call it alchemize, I, I like to look at it as a process of letting go. Like here we are, they're saddling us th- with this fear. We've they're putting this fear, they're loading it up on us. It was COVID, now it's nuclear war with Russia. It was oh, and now it's the economy. Prior to that, it was Ebola. Prior to that, it was uh, t- terrorism. Prior to that, it was whatever. Like they are they are filling up our saddlebags with fear, fear, fear. And just mm-hmm. like if you were to grab a weight like a fifty pound kettlebell and walk around with one of them in one hand all day, uh, you'd be off your center. You'd have a difficult time walking straight. You'd get tired. You, you know, you'd probably develop a limp and everything else. And I see that really as the, the the compounding effects of the negativity and the fear in our world. It's causing us to like it stunts our progress. It stunts our ability to uh, move freely about this world and to achieve the results that we seek in our own lives. So rather than look at it as a process of alchem, uh, you know, of an alchemical process, I like to look at it as a, a process of learning how to. Um, process emotions in a way that we're not used to. So most people are used to suppressing and repressing and emotions. We're really good at that. Oh, I'm not going to feel this way now. I'll just keep on trucking through it. I'm not going to say anything to anybody. Or we're used to expressing our emotions. Some people do this in healthy ways with artwork, music, that sort of thing. Uh, martial arts is another good one. Mm, yes. Um, but a lot of people like the, the expression just basically means that they've waited until that voice, that f- that fantasy conversation they've had in their head that's uh, with the per- person, you know, their their per- their partner, whoever that they're in, something happened, and so they're having this conversation about their in in their head about how it should go and. And so the expression ends up taking the form of, you know, uh, explaining to somebody how you feel. Really, what I mean by that is expressing like why you feel bad about something or why something isn't right. Really, that has that has the that creates the problem of creating conflict in your relationships and of overburdening other people in your life uh, with your your problems. And it's not always helpful. In fact, I would say most of the times it's actually harmful uh, and and it's harmful to what you really seek, which is peace and uh, drama-free, uh, happy, uh, uh, loving relationships. The other way that people deal with things is by escaping. So this is rampant. I mean, we are encouraged to drink alcohol. Like, like it's no big deal. I've been an alcoholic before. I've done the AA thing. I understand. Like, I've been, I've been on the rocks and on the ropes with alcohol. And I know what it feels like to be completely sober from alcohol. And it's, it gives you a piece of, uh, a sense of uh, spiritual clarity and uh, just, um, uh, truthfulness to your life that you just can't get if there's even a little bit of alcohol in your life. So rather than a process of alchemy, I look at it as a process of learning, 
another grounded practical way to deal with your emotional states or like the negative emotional states that aren't serving you well. And so I look at that as letting go. I'm going to call it the skill of letting go. You said that. I was going to bring that up, the skill of letting go. The skill of letting go. And we call it a skill because people have a difficult time conceptualizing what I mean by letting go. So I use the metaphor of carrying around a kettlebell. Well, if you're walking around with a limp lopsided all day, um, you don't have to use a lot of power or force to let that kettlebell go. No, you don't have to. You don't have to use any power or any force. It actually uses. It actually requires power and force uh, to to maintain your grip on the kettlebell. And that's what that's what people are carrying around these emotions, these negativity, this 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 overwhelm, all of this stuff. They're carrying it around with them. They don't realize the amount of force involved with holding on to this stuff. And so, just like with a kettlebell, if I just open my hand, the kettlebell falls to the ground my body's righted, my posture's corrected, and I can go on about my life without the inhibition of carrying this lopsided weight with me. It's the same principle. And so I call it a skill of letting go because people try it once and they, they're like, okay, this didn't really work. I'm so used to, I'm so hooked on, I'm so addicted to this negative set of feelings that I've been living with most of the time since you were a child. Mm, that's right. You know, that the first time I the first time I sit and try to conceptualize what it would be like to just let go and be move past this negativity, this negative feeling, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't necessarily work. And so I like to explain it as a skill. I show people how to skillfully develop the habit of always letting go of the negativity uh, that that haunts their lives, that screws up their relationships. Uh, that causes them to sit in avoidance and procrastination. That causes them to have big dreams but never take action on those dreams. And so uh, what the skill of letting go really is, it's just, the, it's, a, it's a process with, it's really a process that is uh, one part honesty and another part commitment, right? What am I really feeling? It's impossible to know what you're really feeling if you're sedated with drugs, alcohol. It's impossible to really know what you're feeling if you're, um, what do they call that? <laughs> if, you're, if you're hopped up, right? If you're hopped up on caffeine, coffee, uh, energy drinks, this, these sorts of things. Like every, if you're hopped up on sugar, junk food, all this stuff, like all this stuff really truly affect the emotional uh, body. So it's difficult to know how you actually feel because most of us have been trained and patterned to just uh, like cover, cover up, cover, to cover numb. Up. That's right. To numb it down, cover it up, avoid it, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. And so the first part of this is like the, the, the ability to develop like genuine, sincere honesty about what you feel. And then the commitment to actually take responsibility and, and, let go of it for yourself. You know, and I, I use myself with, with everything that I teach and all the ways in which I work with people. I use the example of my life over and over again, the examples from my life over and over again. And so one of the, one of the, the magical things about my life is that I have, I've, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship with an amazing woman. We've been married for 25 years. We've been together for what, 27 something years. We have three kids, but in a relationship, a long-term relationship like this, I, I've been able to see over and over again that it, it acts as a mirror for me. So I can really like, I really can, uh, you know, the, the, the longer we spend, the longer time we spend together, the more clearly I can see how the negativity within my own heart, my own system affects and vibrate, you know, the vibrates the world around me. It affects the relationships that I have. And so as time goes by and as I get older and as I work with more and more people to teach them the skill of letting go, I get to practice it more and more. I get to practice it more and more. And so it shows up, it shows up for people like, you know, like you hear a lot about this concept of an inner child, Alexis, everybody's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I need to heal this wound with my inner child. Well, your inner child speaks to you all the time. It speaks in feelings and it always wants the same thing. It always wants to feel uh, secure. It wants to feel safe. 
It wants to feel validated. It wants to feel loved. It wants to feel touched and caressed. It wants to feel, um, it wants to feel needed, right? But most of all, again, it wants to feel safe. It wants to feel safe. It wants to feel like uh, that attachment that it has is always going to be there. It wants to feel like uh, there's never going to be any disruption to peace. Okay. And so th if you're, if you're sedating with alcohol or weed or Xanax or whatever it is, or if you're, or if you're distracting yourself with television, media, movies, Netflix, I mean, gosh, like <laughs> people have a lot of time for Netflix these days, I guess. But if you're so distracted in that state, you won't know how you feel. You won't know what truly it is. And so you'll go about doing the same thing that's always created havoc and turmoil in your relationships. Your inner child will speak up. You'll need that sense of validation and you'll throw that responsibility onto someone else instead of doing it for yourself. Instead of actually speaking to your inner child and saying, hey, I'm an adult now. You're safe. Everything that you didn't get as a kid, you have right now because I'm in command here. I'm taking responsibility for it. And you don't need to act this way. You don't need to go out and seek validation from anybody else because you have it right here at home. And that's the type of clarity, emotional clarity. And I call it emotional sobriety. And you could also even, even put emotional uh, discipline under that. Like the ability to navigate your own emotions without a dependence on substances, a dependence on distraction, or a dependence on validation from people that you really love because it puts a huge strain on your relationships. Absolutely. It does. We talk about fear of fear being this, this catalyzing force for not so good that we all tend to have at least a tinge of probably more. How about the fear of feeling? You keep bringing up feeling and all of the things that people feel and mm -hmm. or, or do in order to not feel mm -hmm. anything, the fear of feeling the fear of self, the fear of what you might find if you feel. Yes, very true. I mean, I started sedating myself when I was uh, 12 with cigarettes. That's when I started started smoking cigarettes. And that I mean, that's a totally different feeling than the reality of my life at that point. At 14, I started drinking alcohol, 15 blackout drinking liquor um, because I was uh, running from the feelings. Of course, I didn't know it at the time. It took me 30 something years right, to figure it out. But I was running from the feeling. So in my childhood, there was divorce. There was a lot of drama. There was a lot of anger, you know, people ripping phones off the wall and throwing them at people, people smashing things, you know, like people yelling and yelling, and yelling, even though there's a little baby sitting there, you know, like that was, that was what I went through. And so what happens is we all go through unfavorable circumstances when we're young. Okay. And so what happens is that first few years, that first six, seven years, our subconscious mind, our, our mind is really like uh, uh, creating the design for how we're supposed to interact with the world. And it's doing so by looking at the situation that we're in, looking at what it thinks the world is all about. And Lord knows we've just plenty of dysfunctional families in this place. Right. But so the thing is, like the, the, the feelings that you felt, the experiences that you had back in that young age, they left an imprint. Right. They left. um that's what you had sort of like zeroed in on as your normal, your baseline for the world. And so as you grow older without, if you don't, if you're not brought to understand this, if you're not, you know, sort of initiated into adulthood, if you're not, uh, if you, if you're not uh, sort of a guided or led into the opportunity to overcome and rise up above all this kind of stuff, what you're left with is, is an emotional imprint, like a, a, a set of emotions that you're going to keep seeking your whole life until you understand why, until you recognize what's really happening. So, you know, as a self-sabotage coach, we call this a vibrational match. You know, why do some people who live through traumatic uh, experiences like I did, why do they keep seeking out relationships that don't work, Relation abusive relationships, narcissistic relationships, relationships with their addicts and everything? Why do they keep seeking this stuff out? And it's because what happens, Alexis, is that the, the, the set of feelings 
that were imprinted on us through this trauma, whatever level of trauma it was that we experienced, it becomes an addiction in itself. And that's what I really help people to see is that there, there's addictions to alcohol, drugs, uh, sex, all these kind of things. But underneath all that is the addiction to a set of feelings. And that's what people, that's what people, that's what's really helpful for people to understand is that they're really addicted to recreating the circumstances that give them access to the set of negative feelings. Okay. And that's where the, that's where the breakthrough can be made. Once you realize that you no longer need that set of negative feelings in your life, then you can start to move and actually create different circumstances for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. Huge. As I'm, I'm seeing pictures and, uh, or an illustration of how you're explaining this. And I'm thinking um, of really just an energy blueprint that once Good. it becomes a part of you based on whatever the trigger was, the trauma, you know, seeing violence, being of the violence, and mm -hmm. then kicking in these habits, this is literally uh, in your energy field and but, the brain and the heart, I would imagine all parts of you are looking to replicate that. Replicate it. Exactly. They're looking to, it, that's just a part of the way we're built. You know, um, I had a, a chapter in uh, my book, Conscious Musings, years ago that I wrote called, um, oh my God, want want a better life, break your routine. Something about, I can't even think of the chapter. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but it had to do with even in some of the, in the most benign ways, things that we do, we're habitual creatures. We tend to do, tend to, not everyone, but many things the same way. We drive to work the same way. Those that still drive to work. We get dressed the same way. We brush our teeth at a certain, in order of, you know, habitual creatures. And what my thesis was, or hypothesis was that doing something as simple as a brushing your teeth in the shower versus in front of the sink or getting out of the be your bed a different way or walking backwards even. You're trying <laughs> to train your brain to receive different signals because the brain is looking to replicate, including the bad habits. Yeah, it sounds like a pattern interrupt, right? Yes, it's it, a pa exactly. It's an energetic pattern interrupt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and regarding self-sabotage, I mean, this is exactly what I'm, talk what I'm talking about with self-sabotage here. Uh, Self-sabotage is for most people, especially most people, like I'm 46 years old, right? So most people at this stage in their life older than me, many of my clients are much older than I am, but like they're still experiencing this, uh, the recurrence of these patterns, right? And so as a, as a self-sabotage coach, like I said, we call this a, a vibration, vibrational, seeking a vibrational match. And so you'd use the word replicate. We, repli we replicate, we recreate the circumstances. Hmm. That, that give us access to the set of the set of emotions that we're addicted to. And so how does that actually happen? You know, like you talked about the behavior in the morning, you automatically brush your teeth, you automatically have your coffee or whatever it is that you do, and you're on autopilot. And so what, what I help people to understand as a self-sabotage coach is that there's a lot of research that has gone into how the mind works and how human behavior is structured and organized. And what they found is that, you know, we, we have two minds, basically, the conscious and the subconscious mind. And there's really like three brains by one of the most popular models. We have the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, and then the human brain. So like there's a you have different modes of thinking, different ways of being based on how your brain is being used. And what they've discovered and what they know to be a fact is that the subconscious mind drives 93 to 97% of all of our behavior. So that like, like the vast majority of things that we do are unconscious to us. We just do them because we're on autopilot. It sounds crazy, but when you really dive into it, it makes a whole lot of sense. 
And so how does the subconscious mind then, uh, you know, how do people keep recreating these circumstances where they're always broke? They're always stressed out. Uh, there's always a crisis going on. There's always something bad happening. There's always drama in their relationships. Uh, they never can lose that 20 pounds or that hundred pounds. Uh, they go to the gym all the time and never make any gains. You, you, you know, like how, how is this possible? And the answer to that is that the subconscious mind is constantly, constantly at work in the background, overriding the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. It's constantly like, mm. like it's constantly doing things, uh, you know, like take the financial aspect of it for one, for, for one example, like the subconscious mind will, will constantly tell you things like, Oh, well, it's more fun to, it's more fun to uh, go out and have a good time with my friends than it is to sit and, you know, go and balance my checkbook or, you know, do my finances for the month. Um, it's more fun to, uh, you know, it's more enjoyable. Everybody else, nobody else does this. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to go spend money on my credit cards like crazy, or whatever. But the, the subconscious mind is always in the background, uh, having you procrastinate on the important things, avoid the important responsibilities, um, waiting till your defense is down to your conscious mind is tired. So it's the end of the day. So it's like, oh yeah, go ahead and have that ice cream. Even though you, you went to the gym in the morning earlier that day and you really, feel like you want to dedicate yourself to improving your body and your health and raising your energy and increasing your vitality. But then your conscious mind gets a little worn out by the end of the day, the subconscious takes back over and says, Hey, we're used to feeling disappointed in ourselves. Uh, we're used to feeling, uh, feeling right on the edge. We're used to crisis. We're used to not being our best. So go ahead and go ahead and hit the, hit the freezer. It's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Go ahead and sit and space out. Let's watch four more episodes of whatever trending shows on Netflix. Like do these things so that you don't get enough rest, so that you wake up in the morning and you need more coffee and caffeine to get going. So it really just goes on and on. But the, the, the point is that the subconscious mind is always coming up with tricks uh, to pull you back down into situations that help you to recreate what you're really addicted to, which for a lot of people is a set of negative feelings. It's a set of emotion. It's a set of negative emotions. It, the term comes to mind, the memes that are released into society, guilty pleasure. I've <laughs> always looked at that as a freaking oxymoron. Get, what do you mean guilty pleasure? I will never say it because it it's, it's as if you're glorifying those things and saying it's okay. You're paying homage to the ego and to the so, so, uh, subconscious <laughs> saying, bravo, stay in charge. I don't think that was an accident. Guilty pleasure. What's that all about? It's either a pleasure and you feel good. <laughs> if it's a true pleasure, you wouldn't feel guilty. So anyway, just had to add that. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Are you yeah. going to be talking about the subconscious in detail in the, in the workshop coming up? To a bit. I'll talk a little bit about the subconscious mind. I'm going to keep things really That's like this, for this for this workshop. I'm going to I'm going to want to make sure that people understand some foundational aspects of it. Uh, but I really want to focus on emotional reality. I want to really want to focus on, you know, like pulling yourself up, uh, pulling your raising, developing the ability to raise your own consciousness on a day to day basis so that you don't have to be so that you can start to get accustomed to a set of different set of feelings, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and you said guilt, like guilt is is one of the big ones for people. It's huge, like guilt, you know, it mostly shows up as in like, a, a lot of people are guilty. If they you know, like if they don't like somebody, they feel guilty about it. It's okay mm. not to like somebody, right? <laughs> right. But the guilt is one of the very lowest possible emotions that you can feel. It's representative of some of the lowest states of consciousness. But the um, the thing I really want to focus is understanding, understanding, uh, helping people to understand uh, the importance of of really connecting to their emotional reality. I think that's that's one of the most valuable things I have to offer. Great.
I think that's important. And emotions are, we always think of them, well, they are the intangible, but they have such an influence over how we conduct our lives. So I think that'll be very helpful for people. I'm going to ask you this uh, as we kind of wind down. Again, a reminder, we are going to the after show. We're going to continue this conversation. This is just a fascinating uh, conversation, just just even as a, just not just curiosity, but it's mm-hmm. important, but it's fascinating because it's human psychology. And that's always fascinated me, understanding this complex being that we call human or homo sapien sapien. But here's a question about let's call it carrying over of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I've looked a little bit into, Dylan, this idea of perhaps certain uh, habits being acquired, not just starting with the individual, but perhaps intergenerational and even psychically coming through generations, you know, Mm -hmm. particularly addictions like alcohol, drugs, sex addiction, pedophilia. Yeah, I'm going to say it. All that stuff that, you know, an innocent baby comes here and before you know it, without a, a logical cause and effect, is has a propensity for these things. Do you think that there could be, in addition to a psychic connection where these influences are coming through from previous generations? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's scientific research nowadays to point to that. I mean, there was uh, there was a, a study. I forgot who did it. It's been a while since I've done writing or research into into topics like this. But where they figured out that birds were carrying over um, were carrying over like migration patterns and stuff from generation to generation when they when they had like how would they know this right? How would you know this stuff unless it was handed to you somehow like through your DNA or perhaps through the morphogenetic field like Rupert Rupert Sheldrake talks about this. And so, you know, the way I've, I've gone through a lot over the last 10 years, like with the work at Waking Times, we've covered a lot of really far out, woo, esoteric, uh, just really, really interesting stuff that inspires wonder and mystery in life. And, and here's what I think really is really helpful to people. If there is intergenerational stuff. If there is this um, uh, tendency for people to pick up habits, uh, traumas, and things from generations past, uh, it may very well be true. But here's what I think is more important. The buck stops here. I mean, that's a phrase. That's a that's a phrase, you know, that, that we've heard from, uh, you know, some of our heroes and stuff from, you know, from uh, like American culture. The buck stops here. One of the presidents, FDR or something, had it on his desk, but the buck stops here. And so what I mean by that is that uh, whether all that's true or not, I believe in the power of consciousness of the individual to determine what kind of life they want to live for themselves. And so it's an interesting time in history because for the first time ever, we literally have any individual almost literally has access to almost the entire body of human knowledge. I mean, you just go to the internet and if you're good at, if you're good at searching and researching, you can find out anything that anybody's ever learned. Right. And so the the power that consciousness has right now, if you're willing to be honest about uh, who you are and what you're feeling in this world, the power of your own consciousness, the, the, the power you have can change everything for you. It can override generational trauma. It can override ancestral patterns. It can override anything mm-hmm. if you're if you're honest with how you're feeling, where you want to go. And if you're actually committed to seeing results and it's. Commitment is a big one. That's a big one I talk about with my clients a lot because it, a lot of people want different results in their life. But without being honest with yourself, like deeply, deeply honest with yourself, you don't have to be honest with anybody, but be honest to yourself. You can do that in your journal. You can do that even in your own mind and heart. 
But the second piece is, is commitment. And I call it commitment consciousness. There's a certain, there's a certain like level of consciousness that overcomes you when you truly commit to something, you know, we've all felt this when we've perhaps, you know, decided to make a big change in our lives. You know, I had one of my clients was dealing with a 20 something year marriage and realized that it wasn't working out. I was really, really afraid to leave, which was the right decision for her. Uh, but when it, when she finally had the ability to honestly like like describe what it was doing to her and the the, the problems that it created in her life, and she absolutely committed, like the thing that she thought was impossible was to leave this abusive relationship. Uh, but as soon as she committed to it, everything falls into place. And I think people have seen that over and over again. There's a certain thing like the universe meets you halfway or absolutely. maybe three quarters of the way when you actually commit to something. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, all that stuff is all that stuff is is true and it's interesting. Um, but the thing is, right now at this particular time in history, I feel like we have access to the power which can help us overcome any of that kind of stuff. Like there's an awareness that we have access to, and there's uh, enough tools and skills and knowledge and experience to share between us to give us the power to commit to actually overcoming these things, whether they're generational or ancestral or not. Like we have more power than than any of this stuff. I love it. Well, well said here, here. And that's why I say, and others too, this is truly an exciting time. You can call it a litmus test if you like. It <laughs> is uh, a spiritual litmus test included, but it is a time where, as they say, we're talking cliches today, the darkest days <laughs> are before the dawn. We are committed to experiencing the dawn. Again, because this is a uh, cyclical throughout our human history, I would imagine. So Dylan, any words in closing? And then we'll talk about the workshop a little bit more and then we'll sign off and go next door to Patreon. Words in closing. Um, yeah, I think it's really, really important. I think I actually, I think like the most important thing that you can manifest in your life right now is emotional clarity. I just see that over and over again, actually having like a really positive impact in people's lives. So whatever that takes, whatever that takes for you, whatever, whatever path you have to find to get that, you know, like I've talked to a lot of people just in recent weeks that are finally recognizing that they want to get alcohol out of their lives. Like you can't, you can't experience emotional clarity with even a little bit of alcohol in your life. It's, you think you will, but once you get on the other side of it, once you get 90 days, 180 days, a year down the road, you'll realize that, that there really has been a cloud over you. So whatever you can do to recognize or whatever you can do to take steps to achieve emotional clarity, um, you can always find my work at dylancharlescoaching.com. If you go there, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is pretty awesome. And uh, you can even book a free 15-minute insight call with me if you want to dump any challenges in my lap. I love talking with people about this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, that's how you can connect with me. But um but there's a real tendency right now to externalize our problems, to project our feelings onto people into the world around us and to like look out as though the, the, the world is more powerful than ourselves. And that's just not true. That's just not true. And it all begins with your ability to recognize what vibration, what level of consciousness you're at in, in any single day. And that's, that's recognizable to you by the emotional state that you find yourself in. So I would love to help you. I would love to assist you in learning how to overcome and let go of some of this stuff so that you can move on, move forward in life. Yeah. That's beautiful. You're doing great work for uh, a, a large group of people that really 
you're needed right now. As I said in the beginning, you're necessary. I also <laughs> happen to know that we have one of our journeyers who's a, also a patron who works with you. I will not say her name, but <laughs> she knows who she is and she she sings your praises uh, constantly. So that's that's great stuff, Dylan. So again, uh, everyone, uh, get a get a good dose of what you got today, probably about three hours worth on Saturday, October 29th. Activate your power to win in challenging times with Dylan Charles and yours truly. I'll be moderating and it's always fun, Dylan. I love, love, love doing these, these <laughs> right, workshops right. because it's, you know, it's still a relatively intimate group. Um, I know mm-hmm. that we're, we're, we're getting some some seats sold. So it's it's still nice, a nice mm-hmm. group though. It's not <laughs> overwhelming. It's not like thousands of people and right, we're right, friends. Right. it's community and we're talking and we're going to have a Q&A that, um, and not just a Q&A, it's a conversation. Conversation, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's that in and of itself is healing for sure. So this is going to be really cool. It's always fun to see the journeyers. Love, love, love. <laughs> I've already heard from some of you that we're going to be there Saturday. Alexis, can't wait to hook up. So cool. Very yes. exciting. Yes, man. All right. Thanks for rocking the wisdom as per usual, Dylan Charles. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Alexis. Always a joy. Yeah. Ditto. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you hopefully next door, hopefully Saturday. But in the meantime, Let's stay emotionally strong, <laughs> Powerful. blessed, and continue to love and be loved. I love you. 